God is good. Amen. What a day. I hope that if you are a, a regular here that you do not take for granted the awesomeness of being in a faith community in which God is at work. And if you're a guest today, uh, God is good. And I'm so thankful that you're here and uh, hopefully experiencing the presence of the Lord. If you're a guest today, I hope that you'll remember when I said our church is not perfect. <laughs> you want to know what's so funny uh, is that everybody in the room besides guests knows that I'm about to say that when I say it, because I say it so often. Like, we do a lot of different things here at the fellowship. One of the things that we do quite consistently is acknowledge and thank guests for coming and the courage that it takes to go do a new thing. But also, we always tell people, we need you to understand we're not perfect. And it doesn't mean that like that's an outer an excuse, right? It just means that we're in process, like we're in the process of God's spirit working in us. And I look forward to being in glory where I will be perfect. But until then, we have to admit we're just not all perfect. But you know who else wasn't perfect? The churches in the New Testament. I find so much comfort in the fact that it's not that we're doing it wrong. It's just like the nature of the thing, right? We're human beings. We're flawed. We're sinful people. God is at work in us. Praise God. But uh, I, I have to tell you that the church that we're learning about, Colossians, the book of Colossians, the church at Colossae, they were not perfect either. And in fact, that's in Colossians chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn there. Colossians 2, Paul is explaining this uh, and, and talking with the church about the fact that they need guidance. They need, we call it discipleship. Sometimes we call it mentorship. Sometimes we, uh, we call it coaching. But Paul is coaching them, mentoring them on what it means to live well for Christ. And this morning I've titled the message Living the Good Life because that's a huge term that means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. But I am under the absolute persuasion that the Bible should be the thing that decides for us what the good life looks like. And the church at Colossus was struggling with that. Uh, they were being misled. They were being manipulated. They were being drug astray. And the Apostle Paul had to step in and say, listen, you guys, let me teach you about being faithful to Christ. And so this morning, we get just a little bit of encouragement from the reality that the churches in the New Testament were not perfect. But in Colossians chapter 2, we are going to listen closely as Paul talks to the church about what it means to live the good life. I'm in Colossians chapter 2 this morning. We're going to start in verse 6 in just a moment. But as we turn there, can I just tell you that if you don't have a Bible and, and you want one, we'd love to give you one. We believe the greatest investment in your life is the investment of God's word. So if you need a copy of the scripture this morning, see me after services and I'd be happy to give you a copy. But let's look together in Colossians chapter 2, starting in verse 6. It says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the fullness of deity dwells bodily, 
And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Having been buried with him in his baptism in which you also were raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all of our trespasses by canceling the record of debts that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and he put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. My goodness, what a mouthful. I understand if you're already going... Wow, how are we going to get everything that there is to get out of that? I don't know that we will, but what we will do is frame it and outline it a little bit so that we can track the uh, the stream of thought that Paul is giving us as he talks to the church about, hey guys, you need to make sure that, that you're walking in Christ and that you're not being captive by other teachings. So look, if you would, just take a glance at your notes this morning. I want you to see kind of the outline of what it is that we're doing. We're looking at two commands that Paul gives the church. And then we're going to understand why he gives those commands. All under the umbrella of what does it mean to live the good life? What does it look like to live the good life? Paul starts out by encouraging this church and giving them a command. And I'm going to summarize it in your notes. The command is be transformed. And so this morning, if you're thinking to yourself, what does the, the good life look like? Like, what, how do I define it? Or how do I obtain it? Or once I obtain it, how do I hold on to it? If you want to answer that question through the lens of Scripture, one of the things that you need to land on is the reality that as people that are in touch with God on a regular basis and walking with God, our life is continually growing, and it's continually transforming. And the Zach Nicholson that I am today certainly is not the Zach Nicholson that I was last year. And the Zach Nicholson that I was last year certainly isn't the Zach Nicholson that I was the year before. You see, in in the good life, in the life in which we are connected with God in a life-giving and meaningful way, we are perpetually growing in our faith. We are perpetually being transformed in our faith. Now, I wrote down the phrase life-giving. I want to share with you this morning three life-giving opportunities that Paul lays out for us in the Scripture. And I want to encourage you to latch on to this. This is so important for us to understand as we think about living the good life in the kingdom of God. And when I say three life-giving opportunities, I want to be careful that I don't present this in such a way that it's like a buffet where you take a little bit of what you want. It all comes together. Paul is just saying kind of the same thing in three different ways. And the first is where he says, listen, if you've received Christ in verse 6, walk in him. Here's why I think that's such a beautiful concept. We perpetually fight the idea that Christianity is anything more than a set of ideas or a bunch of doctrines that if you say yes to, you're a Christian. Christianity is so much more than that. It is having a personal, life-giving relationship with the God who made me. 
And what the point that Paul is making is that once you have received Christ as Lord, then the opportunity is to walk with God. So as you've received Christ the Lord, walk in him. Now, if you're walking, what are you doing? You're journeying, right? You're moving. You're going somewhere. You're progressing in life. And the idea that Paul is giving to the church is, hey, it's not just that you meet Jesus once and then that's it. It's that when you connect with God in a life-giving, meaningful way, your whole journey is in Christ. There's never a time in your life. There's never a year. There's never a month. There's never a week. There's never a day where I'm not supposed to be walking in Christ. That's such a life giving thought that it isn't as though I met Jesus once a long 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 time ago and then I'll see him again in heaven and that's it no it's that I get to walk with him on a daily basis and if that's not the faith that you've embraced oh my friend how I've got something good to tell you we get to walk with God he goes on to say so the second part of this life-giving opportunity that we have is not only do we journey with Christ But we are rooted in our faith and we are built up in our faith. And it's interesting that these two words are being used because one's an agricultural term and one is a construction term. Now for all of my green thumbs out here and online... Here's your opportunity to really jump into the the Greek and be really interested in the word. Rooted is interesting, isn't it? Because the seed has to be planted in the soil in order for it to take root. And there's a couple of other things that have to happen as well. There has to be nutrients in the soil. There has to be water. There's a lot of things that have to happen. But one of the things that happen when roots happen and then this plant pops up, And whatever kind of plant it is, eventually it's either going to bear fruit or give the flower, whatever it is. Here's the thing. We don't hardly ever see the root system, but it is incredibly important that it's there. And so this morning I want to say to you that part of this life-giving opportunity that we have to live the good life in the kingdom of God is that we can be rooted In a world that sometimes is very chaotic and confusing. In a world that's kind of difficult to live in sometimes. We can be rooted. And it might not be the part that everybody looks at and compliments you on. Because they may not see it, but it is so incredibly important that we have the root system in Christ. But then you have the built up part. Right? Paul says this in, in Colossians chapter 2, in verses 6 and 7. Therefore, if you received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in him. There's that opportunity to journey with Christ, rooted, and then in verse 7, built up in him. Construction, built up. I don't know if you've ever watched a building being built. But it's kind of interesting when you're on your way to work and there's a new building going up and you kind of like watch it day by day. Twice a day, right? Going to work and coming back. And you say, oh, they got the foundation and that's nice. And then a week goes by and you think, well, are they working on that building anymore? What's with the slow pace? Or or beyond that, if you've ever had a house built, like you've hired a a builder to build your home from the ground up and you're thinking, is it ever going to be done? Sometimes this idea of construction and being built up, we can feel that way. We can think to ourselves, 
is my spiritual life ever going to be built up? Am I ever going to be at that point where I can move into the house? When are the windows going in, right? When is the siding going on? When are we putting the bricks in? Where's the driveway going to be poured? When do we get to decorate it? There's all of these things we want. But here's the beautiful thing about what Paul is saying to the church. That we have the opportunity not just to ascribe to a set of doctrines, but to be built up in Christ. That's magnificent. That we can walk with Christ. That we can be rooted in Christ. That we can be built up in Christ. He goes on to stay established in the faith. So when the craziness of this world is circling around and blowing on the buildings that we have from God, we can be established in the faith. Now, I know we've got a lot to cover today, so I've got to move on. But before I do that, how does this challenge the perspective that some of us, even in this room, may carry with us? I want you, if you're struggling with this concept, I want to see if I can put my finger on it, because there's a a ton of people in our society that has adopted a perspective of the Christian faith where I say yes to Jesus as my Savior and I get to go to heaven when I die and then I can do whatever I want here on planet Earth while I'm waiting. And if that's your perspective, then that's exactly why you might struggle with a verse like this. Because Paul says, if you've received Christ... It isn't just that we go to heaven when we die. It's that in the here and now, we walk with Jesus. And in the here and now, we are rooted in our faith. And in the here and now, we're being built up and we're being established. And so sometimes if we live with this perspective that we separate salvation from sanctification, or if those are big words and you haven't heard them before, like what I'm talking about is Jesus can save me from my sins, but I'm not necessarily living for him. That's not the way that the Bible presents Jesus to us. And I just want to be clear about that this morning, that this idea may be challenging for some of us. It may be hard for others because you may not know how to grow. Look back, if you would, in verse 6 and 7 just for a moment. And you may look at these. I look at them and I see life-giving opportunities. You may look at them and go, I'm so confused. I don't know what's going on. I don't know how to walk in Jesus. I don't know how to be rooted in my faith. I don't know how to be built up in my faith. And I don't know how to be established in my faith. And listen... If that's where you are, then right here, right now, between you and I, I make a commitment to you that if you have a passion to grow, to be rooted and built up in faith, I'll help you. There, there is dozens of people in this church that love to connect with people who are wanting to grow in their faith and help them. And so this morning, as you're listening to this thinking, it sounds awesome, but I don't know how to do it. Reach out to me, and I'll connect you. If you don't know how to reach out to me, I'll tell you super fast how to do it. You can either see me after the service, or you can email me. You can go to our website. One of the buttons is About. If you click About, there's a button that says Leadership. If you click that, you can go all the way to the bottom of the page, and it says Email the Staff. It's a teal button. You click that button, and it says, Who do you want to talk to? You click Zach Nicholson, the lead pastor. 
and you say, here's, I need help growing, and you just submit that, and I will connect with you this week, and I will help you connect with somebody in this church that will help you grow in your faith. We want you to walk in him. We want you to be rooted, and we want you to be uh, built up. But the second point is, so if we're, if we're tr- being transformed in Christ, then the second point that follows is from verse 8. Look with me in verse 8, and let's see what it says. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy. What does that mean? By empty deceit. What does that mean? According to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. So what's the second point that we're looking at this morning that Paul says? Refuse any substitutes for Christ. (laughs) That's what he says. He's like, you need to walk in Jesus. You need to continue in the faith. You need to grow in your faith. And don't let anybody distract you from anything other than that. Now, I know this morning that you may look at that general word philosophy and you say, what does that mean? Or you may say empty deceit. What does that mean? Well, I'm going to make a huge admission to you today. I don't say this very often. I don't know. I don't like to admit that, but we just don't know. The scholars don't know. Pastors don't know. Elders don't know. Bible teachers don't know. It's just general. We don't exactly know what Paul means when he says don't be captive by these philosophies or this empty deceit or these elemental traditions. We just don't know precisely what's being taught there, but we do know that somebody has infiltrated the church and has begun teaching something that isn't anchored in Christ And Paul says, you must have none of that. Refuse substitutes. Now, a lot of times, substitutes are okay, right? But not here. This is a dangerous substitute. You notice that word captive? Do you see the word deceit? Look in verse 8 again with me. See to it that no one takes you captive. This substitute... For living a good life in the kingdom of God is described as being a captive taker of you. It's based on deceit, Paul says in verse 8. So it's important that we refuse these substitutions. We've looked at two points so far in your notes. If you're looking in your notes this morning, we've covered two. We've done two fill-in-the-blanks so far. We want to be transformed with these life-giving opportunities of walking in Christ, being rooted and built up in Christ, established in our faith. We want to refuse substitutions. We're not exactly sure what it looked like at the church of Colossae, but we know that they were, they were ways of expressing our, our faith that were not built on Christ. We know that they were things that were philosophy-based, that they were, they were captivating people. And then the question is why? And here's where I really want you to be excited with me this morning. Because we've just looked at verses 6, 7, and 8. All the rest of the verses this morning talk about how magnificent and how amazing the kingdom of God is. And I want to summarize this for you because you see that we have a couple of questions for reflection and growth. Uh, But I, I want you to notice that in Christ... We are filled, marked, alive, and secure. That's the whole point of these verses, verses 10 through 15. We have been filled in him. Look with me in verse 10. We are filled up with the things of God. 
Verses 11 and 12 talk about being identified or marked with God. There is this spiritual circumcision that happens. It's an interesting way to put it, isn't it? But we are marked in Christ. He says we are baptized into Christ. We are marked in him. We are filled with him. We are marked in him. Verse 13 says that we are made alive with him. We were dead in our trespasses. And thanks be to God, he made us alive in Christ. We've been filled with him. We've been marked in him. We've been made alive with him. We have security in him. Look with me, if you would, in verses 13 through 15. I want you to see this, the security that we have. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all of our trespasses. That says security to me. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. That just speaks security to me. He disarmed the rulers and the authorities and he put them to open shame. We are safe in Christ from our trespasses, from our debts, from those who are in rulers or authorities or principalities. In Christ, we have security. The kingdom of God is a good kingdom like none other. So we need to be transformed in the kingdom of God. We need to refuse substitutions. But before we get to these growth questions, I want to make a a very important point. I hope that I've done a good job at laying out for you the attractiveness of the kingdom of God, that we can walk with God, we can be rooted in an uprooted world, that we can be established in our faith, that we're filled and secure and hopeful in Christ. But what I want to say to you this morning, that while all of that is in fact true, you need to know that there's one entry point into this kingdom. And it's through Jesus. Our good works cannot get us into the kingdom of God. Our smart wits cannot get us into the kingdom of God. Who you know can't get you into the kingdom of God. There's this whole list that we sometimes default to, hoping that it can get us into the kingdom of God. But I want you to look back with me in verse 6. And I want you to see the entrance point into the kingdom of God. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus, the Lord, be transformed, refuse substitutions, and live the good life in the kingdom of God. So I just want to be clear with you out of a motive of love that none of us are misunderstanding or mistaking today that only in receiving Jesus Christ as Lord do we have an entrance point into the kingdom of God. And that's important for you to understand for a whole host of reasons. But that helps me kind of get to that first final question that we have. And, and that first question in your notes for reflection and growth Have I received Christ as Lord? Now, whether this is your first day here at the fellowship or you've been here since it opened 
47 years ago. Well, I'm not going to go there. Here's what you need to understand. There is no human being that finds the kingdom of God in another way besides Jesus. And I just want to be clear about that and ask you the question, have you received Christ the Lord? If not, I invite you today to take that step of faith. I know that sometimes it can be a little confusing. I work really hard to not use what we call here churchy words and confuse people that haven't been to church before. I work really hard to do that, but maybe this morning I've, I've done a little bit of that. And when I say, have you received Jesus as Lord, you may feel confused. And if you are, I'd love to have a conversation with you after our service because it's such an important conversation. Uh, living with God in the here and now and walking with the Lord in the here and now and knowing that you have eternal security with God, those are big deals. And I want you to know this morning that the Bible teaches that it's only through Christ that you have that. So my question is, have you received Christ as Lord? Many of you say yes. In fact, as I'm asking the question, I'm looking around, I see some people going, absolutely. And so many of you have. And if you have, then my second question is for you. And I hope that you will grapple with this one as well. Uh, My second question for you is, have I continued in my growth and in my transformation? Maybe this morning you are here and you authentically honestly received Jesus as Lord. You said, yes, Lord. Uh, Like Glenn was sharing as he was baptized, there was a time in your life that you turned from your sin. We call that in the church repentance. It means to turn away from or to turn around. Maybe you'd say, absolutely, there was a time that I repented. There was a time that I turned from my sin and I put my faith and my trust and my hope and my allegiance in Jesus. And so the answer to question one is yes. Have you continued to grow? Because Paul says, therefore, just as you have received Jesus Christ, the Lord, Continue to walk in him. And it may be this morning that the answer to one is yes, but to two is no. You haven't been growing. You haven't been walking with Jesus. You haven't been rooted in your faith. You haven't been being built up and you haven't been living in an established faith. And you're struggling in life because of that. There's so many Ways that we struggle when we know Christ as Lord, but we're not growing in Christ. In fact, I would say this, one of the most miserable people I've ever met in my whole life are, are believers who are not walking with God. It's miserable. The conviction in our heart is miserable. Maybe that's where you're at. You're not growing. And you need to grow. And again, I say to you, if you need help, let us help you. We love you. We want you to walk in Christ. We want you to be rooted in faith. We want you to be built up and established in the Lord. And if you look at question number two this morning and you say, gosh, I'm just not growing. I'm not being transformed. We want to help you. We're committed to your well-being. We love you. We're for you. 
We want to walk with you as you continue to learn how to grow. The last question before we close. Have I allowed myself to be consumed with other conversations? Have I accepted a substitute? As I think about what my life is focused on, what my life values, as I think about all of the things that have my attention or my energy or my allegiance, is there anything in the world right now that has me distracted from putting Jesus as my primary focus. I know there's lots of other great focuses. Many of us have marriages. All of us have friends. Some of us have kids, moms and dads that we have relationships. This is all good things. But even beyond that, are there other things that have our attention, our allegiance? Are we consumed with other things? I just... I just want you to know that it could be that some of us are closer to verse 8 than we want to be. And it could be that some of us are struggling with being captivated by the other things of the world and not captivated by Christ. I want to ask you to bow with me this morning as we close our time. I want to pray over you and pray for all of us. First, I pray, church family, that you would love the idea of being transformed by the will and the power of God. I know that admitting that we need to be transformed is a humbling experience. And I call it life-giving. You may receive it as threatening. I don't know. But if I could convince you of something this morning, it would be that being transformed by walking in Christ, being rooted and built up in Christ, is one of the greatest experiences you'll ever experience in your life. I also pray that you have the focus and the discernment to see a verse 8 when it's happening. We've got all kinds of things in our world that wants to take our attention, captivate our mind and heart. And so, Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters and I pray with them and I pray over them love them so much I'm so thankful that we got to navigate through this scripture this morning together we admit Lord that the picture that we saw of baptism is so relevant to this text because it reminds us of the gift of transformation and that you don't meet us once and then depart but we have the opportunity to walk with you, to grow in you, to have a root system of life and of vitality in the kingdom of God. And so I pray for my brothers and sisters as they go from this place in just a few moments back out to their homes and the highways and the jobs and the schools, that this text would linger 
deep in their heart and that tomorrow and the next day and the next week and the next month when we look back we would see a people who are serious about growing in our faith and refuse substitutions that do not fill us and so bless us Lord I pray as we go from here today in the name of Jesus Lord we all come to you Uh, Amen